Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and today I'm accompanied by two special guests, two friends of the show. We have Leo from Geekly Goods, and we have Mike from Collider and the Chatter After and Amateur Otaku Podcast. And today we're here to present our spoiler cast review of the live action adaptation of avatar the last airbender book one water and before we begin today's episode you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet that includes apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and more and if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show we would love to hear from you guys Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and threads at FilmOptics, that is optics with an X, or you can email us at FilmOptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Gentlemen, Team Avatar, minus one, and we're, we're missing Elliot. I wish he was, my fellow Earthbender brethren was here with us today, but we have three-fourths of Team Avatar here with us today. <laughs> we we got to head to the swamp to find Elliot. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, he's. He, I oh. guess I think he got. Uh, <laughs> well, I heard his face got stolen by Ko, the face stealer. So oh, we got to go. No, you know, do something about that. That's very serious. <laughs> very serious. But it's great to have you guys back on to the show. We've essentially covered this in the past. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, uh, Leo, Mike, and Elliot and myself actually went through the original Avatar The Last Airbender series as a revisited series um, here on the show. So we have each book as a individual episode that people can go listen to. And I'm going to actually put those in the description of this podcast episode for people to uh, enjoy that as well. But I want to go around the podcast here and ask how everyone's been. Leo, how you been, buddy? It's been a while. How, how was your, your three-day weekend? What's going on in your life? Hey, man, it's been uh, really good. Really, really good. Just started a new job a couple months ago and feeling good about it. And uh, yeah, the three-day weekend was super chill. Been watching this this show, honestly. Been trying to just get through it so I can get a review out. So been watching this and, you know, pretty good. I got some... I got some gripes, but we'll talk about it a little later, but things have been good. Um, did some meal prep in the day and trying to stay ahead of that so I'm not eating out. But yeah, things have been good, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah, man. Meal prepping is very, very important. I try to do that every week, uh, at least for breakfast, if, if anything else, just to kind of have something. I feel I need to feel accomplished in some type, way, shape, or form. But Mr. Mike, Mr. Water Tribe. What's going on? How you been? I've been great, you know, watching Avatar in both forms, watching the animated series and watching the live action. So that's been an interesting experience. Um, this is one of the last podcasts in my old place before I moved to my new apartment. So ending out strong Ooh. with a bunch of Avatar content. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is moving on up in the world. It's it's awesome. I'm glad that both of you guys are doing fantastic. Again, I hope you guys had a great three-day weekend. Um, I actually kind of forgot it was a three-day weekend there for a moment uh, earlier prior to the three-day weekend. I worked. I did not have a three-day weekend. 
Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> my <laughs> It was rough, buddy. Oh, that is rough, buddy. <laughs> but hey, stay flaming. Always. <laughs> what a try. But what a try. <laughs> Worst city ever. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad everyone is doing well. Everyone's in good health. Everyone is happy and healthy and well all together. As I mentioned prior, we're going to be giving our spoiler thoughts on Avatar The Last Airbender, the live action series that is now on Netflix as of this recording. Again, this is a spoiler cast, a spoiler cast. We're going to be talking about all the spoilers. Um, We are obviously all fans of the original show. So we are excited to dive in, and without further delay, we'll be right back after this introduction to Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1. Aang, you must master the Avatar state. It can be the ultimate weapon. Or it can save your life. Everyone is counting on me. Am I supposed to save the world if I don't know what I'm doing? But imagine what'll happen if you don't even try. What is that? Two firebenders had some guts. I don't know where this will all lead. The one thing I do know is this is just the beginning. And we are back with our Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1 Netflix live adaptation review. Boy, that is a mouthful to say. The creator of this show is Albert Kim and stars Gordon Cormier, Kiwan Tio, and Ian Osley, just to name a few. And the synopsis is as follows. A young boy, known as the Avatar, must master the four element powers to save the world and fight against an enemy bent on stopping him. So obviously this isn't the official introduction that all of us Avatar fans know and love, but it'll have to do. (laughs) So again, this is going to be a spoiler cast for Avatar The Last Airbender, the live action series that is hitting Netflix. We're just going to dive straight on in. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of this series, we're going to go around the show here to give our initial reactions of season one for the show as a whole. So we're going to start with Mike and then we'll go to Leo and then I will close out. So Mike, what are your initial reactions after watching all eight episodes of the live action series of Avatar, The Last Airbender? Yeah, um, initial thoughts. The series is is... I think it's good. You know, there's 
a lot that it couldn't do. Like, it's hard to live up to my favorite show of all time, you know? And, like, that's just very heavy expectations to put on on any adaptation. I, I do find that Avatar is in a very strange spot. Like, The Last of Us was trying to bring a video game uh, to the medium of television, right? One Piece was bringing a manga to live action. Uh, Avatar was already a show. It was already a wonderful show. And to this day, it's still one of the best shows ever made. So this had that that task of like, hey, how do we stand out? How do we be different? While also still honoring the original. And I think by and large, it does that. There's a few miscues here and there. Um, and we'll definitely dive into those a little bit later. But on the whole, I think it's a solid first season. Room to improve. I do hope we get to season two. Because I think it could kind of build off of what they established, especially finishing strong with the last three episodes. Mr. Leo, what are your initial reactions of this series? I think I got to echo a lot of what Mike said. You know, this didn't start out as a book or a manga or something that was a a non-moving media. This was like already a television show. One of the greatest of all time, easily in my top three a uh, phenomenal original show. And I agree. I think that it did a serviceable job for this first season. I definitely think that there's room to improve in the next season. Um, there's a couple character changes and some changes that I really didn't like, but there are some changes that I actually did think made sense for adapting it to a live action medium. Um, I thought the bending looked great. Uh, in most cases, there are a couple of weird pieces here and there, but I thought for the most part, the bending looked great. I thought the, especially Zuko and Sokka were real good. Um, Aang grew on me at first. There was a couple stiff moments, but he really grew on me out throughout the episodes. And I think that this is miles ahead of, of the last Airbender, M. M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, come on now. We can't even, Not even really <laughs> say that was anywhere near <laughs> th- what this is. So I really enjoyed it for what it was. And I think there's a lot of good, but there's also quite a bit of bad too. But I think a season two can really step this up from good to great. Honestly, if they can learn from some mistakes and maybe not make as many changes, there's could be some improvement to make season two into something even better. So for my um, initial reactions to kind of piggyback off both of what you guys said, but I think I I think the show is serviceable, but it's still a mixed bag for me, and I'm not sure if it's because of all the small little nitpicks that start to pile up. Because um, when Mike joined us for our The Last of Us uh, series, when we covered that every single week, you know. Like you guys said, that is adapting a video game and expanding it for like a different medium, which is television. Since Avatar, The Last Airbender is already a show, there are things that they can definitely expand uh, upon with certain concepts. And they've done that within this series. But it's, it's tough to not compare it to the original because it's already a television show and there there are there's a lot that i liked but it's like i you know after us learning that this is more of like a remix of a show versus more of a just word for word bar for bar remake which is what i kind of wanted because it it feels like you know this is a second attempt of, of a live action 
adaptation of book one, Water, for Avatar. And I, I feel like there's a lot of over-correctness, not just from the original series, but from the M. Night Shyamalan film itself. Like, one thing that the Shyamalan film didn't do well, first off, is pronounce the characters' names right, but the second thing was, it really was the, the bending. And I think Mike had mentioned this. We kind of talked about this off air. He was saying how this show is more style over substance. And that is exactly how I feel. Like, as soon as he said that, like, it was just etched into my brain. And, you know, I was just watching it, just, you know, going through all the eight episodes. And the production is phenomenal. The casting is perfect. The writing is so like the writing is good in certain areas, but in others, it's like I really just miss the uh, the goofy, quirky, just fun little dialogue that they were able to slip in and slip out and for it to still be a serious show. I feel as if this series is a little too serious at times, but there, there are things that, that I liked about it. Like, you know, I've already mentioned the production, but the bending itself looks phenomenal. And that's one thing that we kind of have been talking about. Like, oh, what is like one of the changes that they have to get right? It's like, it is the fighting. It's the bending. Every single fight in this live action series is like, it's phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. I was like, wow, this really gets me in the mood. I feel like, you know, this world is real. But at the same time, I just kept asking myself, I'm like, is this something that we needed? And also, like, who is this for? Because I feel like a lot of Avatar fans out there, I can't speak for all of them, but like from what the general consensus is, is that we just wanted the cartoon adapted into live action. Don't you know, don't change things that don't need to be changed. Like I was mentioning with like the overcorrectedness, you can expand on ideas. Like I mentioned before that they've definitely done that. And I think, um, that was one of the series strong points, but it's just the, the overcorrectness is what really kind of got me altogether. So it's, it's a mixed bag, but it's not like, Oh man, this is terrible. Like it's fine. Will I ever go back and rewatch it? I don't know if I ever will. But do I want a season two? I don't. I don't know. I really don't know if I if I do or not. Um, because season two is like my favorite of the three. Um, not only because my favorite character is Toph, but there's sh- it. Season two is the meat and potatoes of the entire show. And there's a lot of things that they've borrowed from season two and kind of, you know, blended it into season one. Some things kind of make sense, but others left my head scratching. Like, why, why are we here now? If that makes sense, but I'm going to shut up (laughs) because I can go on (laughs) for ages, but I wanted to pass it back over to you guys. Micah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we were talking off air and I was saying it was style over substance, um, I, I firmly believe that. And it's like, this show looks like Avatar, the last airbender, right? Like it, it, they captured that perfectly. The bending, great. 
Um, and even some of the, even the casting, phenomenal. But there's those there's those changes, and it's like I'm not trying to be like the rigid fanboy of like, hey, you can't this you can't change a single thing about this. But it's like if you're going to make a change, it has to make sense, right? Like using the last ones as an example, when we changed Bill and Frank, right? It made sense because that episode is phenomenal. It didn't break the flow of the original story. Like in the end, Joel, Ellie still get what they need and they move on their way. It just happens in a different way than the video game did. Uh, But they were able to expand those characters and tell a really beautiful story. Here, for example, we have uh, Aang and Katara, right? And Katara in this show, they tone down those like motherly qualities that she had in the original so she doesn't have that same relationship with Aang and Sokka they also made the interesting call of Aang not waterbending for the majority of the first season and like Katara and Aang's relationship kind of gets a little bumpy for a second because Aang is really fast at learning how to waterbend and she's getting a little jealous and insecure in her own abilities and so it's like Mm. all of that is stripped away and that leaves Katara very flat and that's nothing against the actress she's phenomenal uh in everything else i've seen her in and she's good in this show as well but like it leaves katara with almost nothing to do same with ang where they took away that childlike wonder from ang and i was um talking to antoine bandley on on my podcast and he said that ang's greatest superpower is his spirit right and it's like once you take that away from ang he's just very very flat, straight up, like, hey, I've got to save the world because I'm the Avatar, this is my duty. And it's like, where's the fun? And I, I think the, mm. the showrunners kind of miss the the point of Avatar The Last Airbender is that at the end of it, it still is fun. Throughout all the chaos, throughout all the drama, it's a fun show, it's a fun story. And so by removing those aspects from Aang, from Katara, Sokka is still there for for a decent amount of it. I'm kind of left with these like hollow shells of these characters that I love. And it's like the actors are doing fine. So if we can just up the fun a little bit going forward, I think season two can be great, but yeah, kind of miss the spirit of the original show being both action drama, but also still having those comedic moments to it. I agree with the, pretty much everything Mike has said. I mean, they make some grave changes to the characters that make it feel so different. Um, And I wish, I really wish that they would have kept some of those things like Aang's spirit and Katara's motherly-like instincts. And it really took away, I think, mostly from Katara. But even just, not even just the major characters, it's like, okay, you've got characters like Suki and... um, I mean, May and Ty Lee, we barely see, but they even feel kind of different from their counterparts. So there are changes made to to side characters as well that I don't particularly like. But then they make changes to certain things like Commander Zhao, who instead of being against Zuko the whole time, he actually kind of uproots Zuko, works with them a little bit, and then betrays him a little bit later. Those kind of things I like. Those are the improvements that I'm like, okay... To change things up, that's a cool change. That's something that I wouldn't have saw coming. And as a fan of the material, I'm like, at first I'm like, well, hey, hey, that's that's not cool. That's not fair. But then when I see what they did with it, 
it was a really cool change made to that character. So there are these changes that really, really work, and then some that don't. Um, bending looks great, especially compared to the M. Night. Slow-mo, dancing and waving <laughs> around in order to float one rock. It looks really good for the most part. I will say the standoff between Aang and Boomy did not look that great. But I wonder if it's just because of the earthbending style that he was doing and he they were just standing there. So it might have just been the camera work and, and that style specifically. But I really did like how the bending looked otherwise. Um, there's a major change in uh, the last couple of episodes of book one that they make where the characters know this time that the Fire Nation is coming. And I thought that took away a lot. We didn't get to train with Paku at all. Um, and I think that, that that really does like kill all the momentum that Katara built from the confrontation with Paku because it was like, okay, they did decide to make Paku and the tribe still believe in sexist tendencies, having them believe that the women can only be healers. I was like, okay, I'm glad they didn't change that part. However, when Katara proves them wrong, it's just like, okay, let's go prepare for battle. Then and instead of actually training them and getting that time to continue to prove Paku wrong even further. So there are some really great changes, man. Some good ones that are made like the Zhao stuff and then some really, really bad ones. Poor Suki, man. And also there's there's something they did that I'm, I'm being a little nitpick here, but I didn't like the notion of Aang traveling to the statues and, and becoming the avatars through the statues. I was always like, okay, he could always access them throughout wherever he was. And it seemed like here it was like, oh, only when you're in front of the monument, which in the show that happens too, but it felt to me like they didn't have that connection outside of when he was at the monuments. Yeah, I think that might be something like in the original series, you're right. He has to go to Roku's statue. And that's the first time we meet Avatar Roku. Right. Uh, but after that, like once Aang establishes that connection, he doesn't have to do that anymore. Very much like a video game, right? You unlocked the, the, <laughs> the, the quick travel, right? That's essentially what Aang does in the original show. And this one is like, no buddy, you still got to swing all the way across Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> right? oh, you gotta Lord, go right man, up to the monument no, <laughs> yeah. no. but, but um, I, <laughs> I did find it interesting that they started with Kiyoshi this time and yeah. at first I didn't love that just because her and Aang are so opposite and I like the whole like I kind of like the lore setup that the last avatar is the strongest guide for the new avatar and kind of threw that sense. away with that. Yeah, because it's like, okay, that's the closest person in age and in 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 life who would know. So yeah, it's a little odd um to throw that one away. But maybe, maybe Roku and Aang will get closer in the next season. Who knows? I did like how Roku was like, hey, Aang, uh, Kyoshi's uh, she's a bit weird, man. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> when he finally meets <laughs> <Right>? Roku. <laughs> that was a bit of levity. That was one thing they did well here is the, giving them personalities. Like their per yeah. different personalities are really emphasized here. Yeah, and it's I, I like how they were able to incorporate the other avatars because it's like 
You, I mean, obviously, you know about Kyoshi and Roku through the original series. Avatar Korra, he's not mentioned really that like he's kind of sort of in the show, but in in like a later season when Aang can literally just access all of his past lives. The season finale, <laughs> the series finale. Yeah, the last episodes. <laughs> yeah, li- yeah, literally the series finale. I was, I was like, oh my god, yeah, the series finale. But yeah, as I was saying with uh, Avatar Kurok, he's not really in the series until like the very end of the series as a whole. But it's I'm kind of just I miss the like, yeah, it's Roku was the previous Avatar. He does visit Roku's statue, but that's like one way of how he can connect with the spirit world or his past lives altogether so it's like there's multiple ways that the avatar can access his past lives that's just happens to be one of them but yeah it's it's weird because we see kiyoshi and she pretty much just acts like tough the entire time and it's like i feel like they're already introducing that hard-headedness of tough before season two I mean, as as somebody who's read the Kiyoshi novels, that that is just Kiyoshi. Not gonna lie. <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's fair. yeah. That's she's fair. very much like um, that. <laughs> but it's like also how why would how why would Kiyoshi know about the 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 attack on the North? Like how would why like why would Kiyoshi Island have that information? Why would Avatar Kiyoshi herself have that information? Unless I'm missing something. I was like, I don't think avatars are you know soothsayers in that type of way this is where again like when you make changes i'm cool with that but if you're gonna make changes you gotta make it make sense right so in the in in the original series this is effectively replacing the avatar roku telling ang that sozin's comet is coming and that makes sense especially once you know the full history of Avatar Roku knows what Sozin's Comet can do because he knows what Fire Lord Sozin's plan was and how he used it to wipe out the airbenders a hundred years ago. Uh, so him warning Aang that it's coming back does make narrative sense. And that it also like kickstarts the show's timer of, hey, Aang needs to learn the elements in X amount of time by summer's end. Uh, in this series, they needed to introduce a ticking clock but they couldn't introduce that ticking clock because that's the series ticking clock. And these kids, they're going to look very different by quote unquote summer's end <laughs> by the time they film season three. Right. It's going to be 18 or 19 years old by the time they get there. Uh, so God. I, that that's really what it is. They had to replace, they had to give the show some sort of agency. Um, and, I don't like I just don't think it was executed particularly well. I don't mind him meeting Kiyoshi first. That's a that's a change that I'm cool with. We do go to Kiyoshi Island and we do see her statue there. So like narratively, that makes sense. My biggest issue with like those first couple episodes is like what Leah was saying earlier with Suki. Uh there was the big controversy of Sokka's sexism being removed, right? <laughs> And we can make the argument that narratively it makes sense. The Water Tribe being sexist is a core theme in the finale. So having Sokka overcome his upbringing and then he and Katara changing the other the sister tribe at the end could have been a really cool story and arc for Sokka and Katara in this first season. But they did away with that. And by and large, I don't think Sokka's character suffered from it. 
Suki's character dead because I left her with nothing to do in that episode where she's supposed to be the one to teach Sokka a lesson. Now that she can't do that, she's just kind of there and it's not an effective arc and that's when it gets frustrating because it's like, hey, you ruined Suki and it's like, by changing an element of Sokka's story, it has a trickle-down effect and I think this is just a testament to how good the original series is of that story being so tight and how everything comes back around that making Literally. a small change here, it ripples down to the rest mm. of the series. Yeah. No, and that, that's very fair. I mean, we we see, obviously, like, there is the connection between them. And we actually see Suki without her uh, face paint in the very beginning. It's like, that kind of makes sense because it's like, you know, like, it being a live action, you know, you can't always expect them to have that on. But, you know, with it being a cartoon, you know, that's just kind of their own thing. But we do see, well, you know, we're introduced to Suki outside of her makeup, like in the original series a little bit later on. But yeah, that that's a good point. Because, um, yeah, it's the, the show is so serialized, even with, you know, we didn't get the pirates in season one. And like that, a lot of that stuff starts to come back because the show is so serialized where they make these callbacks yeah by not having the pirates you don't have katara lose the necklace and then that whole thing is gone too. and and the waterbending scroll <laughs> yeah. that's nuts that's another big change so it's like okay grand grand had this scroll this entire time and this is kind of going back for like katara's arc where it, it feels like she became a waterbending master off screen because yeah. i think Mike had said it when we were talking in the chat a while ago saying, you know, she's not as motherly because she doesn't have that trait of, Oh, well, you know, my mother's gone. So I have to be, you know, that mother figure for uh, Sokka and myself and for their, their father. But now it's like, since grand grand had the scroll, I was like, Oh, okay. So I guess that's, it's a change. They didn't replace it. Yeah. And, and, the mother still dies and we still see that. So, I mean, we see it even more vividly here. Um, very sad scene, by the way. Um, so I, I, I was like, okay, why the, why the change to Katara at all? I mean, if, if we're still going to have that same story beat, if we're still going to have grand grand involved in the story, why is Katara changed like this at all? I don't think that it makes much sense. Also, I'm sorry, Grand Grand had a hell of an exposition dump in the first episode that I was like, oh, here we go. We say in the whole title theme that Katara says in the title. She from said the it animated word series. for word. She bar said for it bar. word for word. For and I was like, okay, yes, if we would have did this when they did the title theme back in the opening of the episode, I would be cool with it. But it kind of came across like super inorganic right there. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of references that they do that with throughout. Grand Grand specifically was just nothing but exposition. I hated when she showed up. Yeah, Grand Grand just was basically an exposition dump machine, and I was like, oh, but Grand Grand was like adorable and and nice and kind, and still didn't trust Aang at first. But but she was like the one that was supposed to push. Yeah, she was the one that's supposed to like push. Katara and Sokka be like, yo, like this is your destiny. You're this is your to be duty. This is your calling. Yeah, then, I don't know, man. Yeah. I that their grand grand was a little 
<laughs> Robotic. <laughs> and it's not the actress's fault. It's definitely the dialogue. Oh, no. Yeah. I just find myself asking why a lot. Like Leah was saying earlier, like, if you're going to make a change, I need you to do it with intent and with a purpose, you know? <laughs> but instead, like I'm just like... the stuff? Yeah, Sorry. that was great. I love that. Yeah, the, the whole Zhao thing, and even with uh, Zuko's backstory of how he gets his scar, I'm a little... Again, this might be a nitpick, but it's like the whole... That that line when you know when Zuko speaks out of turn during the uh, war meeting, where it's like it hits where it's as soon as or right before he gets his scar, where um, Ozai says that. Um, so when Ozai says, "You will learn respect, and suffering will be your teacher," like that is that is such a killer line. It's such a killer, and it, it's it's everything. That it shows what Ozai mean, like how Ozai views Zuko, like yeah. that was just, like and again, it's a small little nitpick, but it's like it's such a great line. So like, why take it out? But it's the the fact that you know we're talking about like changes that we liked, where we find out that the forty fifth battalion is the same battalion that Zuko was trying to speak out about, saying you know, oh, like, you're just going to sacrifice an entire battalion, you know, like, those are Fire Nation soldiers, and I mm-hmm. like how Zo- uh, Ozai kind of expanded on that, saying, oh, you know, hey, you know, burn mark on your eye, you're, you're like, you're tasked to go find the Avatar, and you can just take the 41st Battalion with you, and, like, that brought them together closer, not only just the 41st Battalion learning about Zuko's past, but about how he effectively saved their life and saying that, you know, you shouldn't be sacrificing our own citizens for the greater good. That's a great expansion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also with Boomy and Aang, even though I didn't really like that episode where Boomy was trying to show Aang the difficult choices of war where, you know, both boulders were, coming down on Boomy and Aang at the same time. He's like, oh, he's like, will you save yourself or will you save me? He's like, these are the choices that you have to make when it comes to war. Like, this is what we've been dealing with these past hundred years. And mm-hmm. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. Yeah, but... I love that. But I didn't like Boomy being salty the whole time talking about. I know. Well, man. we've been here was... doing. He was like, well, we've been here, but you've been sleeping for a hundred years. So you didn't. I was like, OK, come on. Like that, it was. I think you said it, Christian. That was like his friend. Like th- those are. That's his last friend. That's Aang's like last living friend besides Appa Momo. That's his last like living friend, and he doesn't have many more. So it was like weird to make him like super salty and have this grudge against Aang. By the way, huge change in Aang's character, y'all. He didn't run away, and and when they showed that in the first episode, I was like, ooh, I don't really like that because that's such an yeah. inherent character flaw in Aang. And I mean, for Aang, that made, it made him feel like that was his fault. It made him feel like the fire nation and all these things that had happened were his fault. Even though I'm of the belief if he had stayed, he would have been killed. So I, I just, Oh, the show makes sure you know that too, by the way, I don't like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like, uh, if he wouldn't have ran off, he would have been cooked. Uh, but I definitely, think that that robbed a lot from Aang. It robbed from Sokka not having him be sexist. So it's like these small qualities 
domino affected these characters and probably will in the seasons to come if we get more. Do you guys think we'll get more seasons? I think so, because Netflix needs shows. Like, Stranger Things is ending, and I think this will do well enough to where, like, the the entire panel here is just like, yeah, if they make changes, season two will be really cool. And so... But it's also... they. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's also... They've, they've already introduced things in season one that aren't supposed to happen until season two, especially with Azula. It's I'm, I don't know why Azula was even introduced in season one of the live action. She's just hanging out in the Fire Nation, and she's, you know, the informant for Zhao. But that could have been anybody. Like, they have so many resources as is. And, like, the whole Ozai and Azula beef, I was like, no. Like, Azula is the favorite. Like, she is the favorite in her father's eyes. And with Zuko's mother, it's, you know, the other way around. With, with Zuko being, you know, her having a soft spot for Zuko and her prob- him probably being her favorite for sure. So it's, it's this weird family dynamic where, you know, a, a parent is taking each child's side. But I didn't like, I was like, why is Ozai defending Zuko? This is when I uh, jump in and defend the show a little bit, I guess. So this is how I took it personally. Um... One, again, this is a different take. And by the time we see Azula, I am already like, yeah, this is a completely different show. Because <laughs> she's like, what, episode three or so? So at that point, it's like, yeah, things are different. Um, in the original series, I'm going to say that a lot this episode. I'm sorry. In the original <laughs> series, uh, we don't see Azula in full until book two. Um, she's been at the palace doing who knows what up until that point. So I feel like this show is really just cutting back and showing us what she was up to. She was doing a lot of training mm. and her being the princess, she's not she's not getting any real field experience. I mean, she took out a couple spies, I guess, which was a choice. But I can totally see Azula like her having that drive and that that fire in her, for lack of a better term. I can totally see her like saying, hey, dad, let me go prove myself. Let me go. Like, I'm better than Xiao. I'm better than Zuko. I'm better than all these people. Let me go prove it. And I can definitely see Ozai also being like, eh, but you don't really need to. And so I can see that kind of conflict from Azula's side. I don't think Ozai had beef with Azula. I think it was more Azula's being like, hey, dad, let me go do this thing. You let Zuko go. Let me Mm -hmm. go out too. Um. So I think in season two, she's just going to be the Azula we are used to because she's going to be let loose, go find the Avatar, go find your brother, just like the end of the animated series, book one. But this was just kind of giving us the lead up into that, you know? Did we need it? Maybe not, but I think that's all it was. (laughs) And see, that that kind of hurt the character for me, kind of having this, like, build up to it because... When she comes into the show, she's already this ferocious, fearsome warrior. Like, yeah, I, I want to see that. Like, I wanted to see that evil, ferocious Azula. Like, I want to be intimidated, yes, by this child. I want to be intimidated. And I got, it kind of humanized her a little. And I was like, I don't want that, man. Not from Azula, at least. I'm like, I don't, I don't want that, man. I, I don't. I don't want to see her, you know, trying so hard for her dad's love so hard because I mean, when in the in the series, in the original series, like even when she's a child, she's just like 
ruthless. And and I yeah. wanted to see that. And I felt like Demon Child through Ozai <laughs> doing this and kind of putting her through this pressure. I feel like it took away from that. So when she comes into the second season, I'm like, well, yeah, she did struggle to get Ozai's love. So like, I just, I would much rather have her already been the favorite show up. She's like, Hey, I'm here to catch the avatar Zuzu. And she's already better than him, et cetera, et cetera. Also, I'm, I, is that is this Azula gonna beat up on Zuko or what? Like I need her to be punk at Zuko. Like don't, I don't be. Know, she's looking a little small. Like Zuko's looking very big. I'm like, oh man. I'm like, cause I, Zuko's older by like what a year or two. I think he's a couple years. Older. In the original series, Zuko was sixteen. Was Azula was fourteen. 16. Something like that. Yeah, yeah roughly yeah. two years. Something like that. But yeah, sorry, uh, Leo. Go, go ahead and finish your thought. I just think that, and I hope that she's gonna be punking on Zuko and shit. Like she's supposed to be the <laughs> she's supposed to be the prodigy. Like Azula, if we think about it, it's like okay, Aang's a prodigy, Azula's a prodigy. Zuko's just very talented, and where the show is taking us, it almost makes it look as if Zuko is also a prodigy. And not that he's not a bad, like not that he's a bottom tier hmm. bender. He's great. And he's a great swordsman, a great fighter. I mean, one of the more powerful members of Team Avatar. But I just think that Azula, in terms of a firebender fighter, is better. And I think we need to see that in season two. That's interesting that you say that this series is portraying Zuko as almost like a prodigy himself. I feel like, you know... Zuko is not Azula. I feel like that's really just the biggest thing uh, in the in the Fire Nation royal family is that he's not Azula. Uh, because by all accounts, I would say Zuko is like the third strongest character in the entire show. You know, you have Aang, Iroh, Zuko, and then I guess Ozai and Azula once they're introduced. But like, I, I never thought Zuko was a slouch by any means. So like him being top five, I, I think is pretty accurate to where he would be in general. No, I'm not saying he's a slouch. I'm just saying I I could not see this Azula beating Zuko. I I mean, we haven't seen this Azula in a fight yet either, really. So <laughs> they got a season to work on that. Yeah, it's 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 so like because you guys both make really good points because it's like, you know, you get to show you get to see what Azula was like really up to, but at the same time it's like why were May and Ty like Tylee there and I'm just saying May's a little young <laughs> to be with, with that actor for Zuko like she was looking like she was like 14 that, that's another thing that I've noticed is that uh, all of the relationships romance all that that was stripped out of this show and I don't I'm not saying I need it but again if you're gonna make a cut I need you to replace it with something that works and so by even cutting out Aang's crush on Katara, they don't even feel like friends anymore, you know? Like, they just are on this adventure together, but they don't interact that much with each other. No, yeah, no. And I, I agree with that. They they don't. Like, they're, like, they know each other. Like, they're more just, like, com- like traveling companions, like acquaintances. And, you know, with with the whole vision thing, it's like, that's why they're going to the north. And it's like, oh, and learning waterbending is like a it's it's kind of just like an afterthought. Because when they go like again, they're in the original series, 
They go to the North Pole and search so that Aang can learn water when and bend. Yeah, let me start that over. So that Aang can learn water bending and Katara. That's when they run into Master Paku and you know the whole you know he won't teach exposing this this yeah the the water bending exposing sexism and the North Pole thing is has been removed because of Katara's necklace, which they don't do in this live action series. And then that leads into the surprise attack. And it's like what Leo was saying earlier, you know, they're, they, they use all the time that they would, that Aang should have been training and Katara. Cause again, I feel like Katara just became a master off screen. Like we get to see her progression a little bit, but it's like, Oh, this thing's to the water bending scroll. And like that's it. <laughs> yeah. See them them incorporating them incorporating them knowing about the attack takes away from so much of that. Like it's like these small changes could domino into big effects. And that was one of them. Like, okay, well, if they're rushing to the North Pole, yeah, it's like if they rush to the North Pole because they know, okay, this is happening. Okay, no time for training. No time for Paku and, and Katara to grow their relationship. Paku just, like, changes. <laughs> yeah, like, we still haven't seen Aang waterbend outside of being in the Avatar state. So it's like... Yeah. S- yeah. How do you... Did we... It, like, is he... No, has he, he mastered? Nope. He has <laughs> Because, like, you can't... <laughs> You can't go from book one and then go to book two. And it's like, oh, well, Aang hasn't even mastered waterbending. And then you're going to introduce Earthbend? Earthbending? It's, it's crazy to me because, um, <laughs> like, Leo is making great points with, like, them knowing about the battle beforehand. That, to me, is even the biggest offense from that entire section of the show, right? Of, like... I can I can forgive them introducing that and them having to prepare for war and them not training with Paku. What I don't understand is how do we end the show with them leaving without training with Paku? Because at the end of the animated series, they stay in the north. And the beginning of book two, Paku's like, oh, great, your training's done. Here's the here's the spirit water. You're on your way. And it's like, we don't know how long they were there. They trained <laughs> off screen. Like, I feel like this yeah. show could have benefited from like, yeah, they train with Paku off screen in the end instead of having to spit, allocate time to showing it, but they didn't even give us that. They just, you're a master now, Katara. Here a day. You got it. Go train the kid. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's, I don't know, it's like, it took Master Paku to be like, oh yeah, the, the lead healer from the hut, to be like, you know, like stop being stubborn, you know, we can fight, and it's like, is that really all it took? Because it's like, I you know, I, I, I just miss the emotional um aspect with uh Katara's necklace because that's another part of their culture that we know is like oh those necklaces when women wear them it means that they are betrothed and everyone thought that Katara was betrothed to someone and she's like oh no it's just my grand grand's necklace and then like that leads into the Paku whole thing with the grand grand and them supposed to be you know uh married and then she left yeah. because she didn't was that even a like, thing here no, literally, I I was waiting for it to come up. I was like, "Is he going to mention the necklace?" This man stared Katara straight into her soul and didn't say a thing about that <laughs> necklace. I was like, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, it's because it, it's right there. Like, you can't miss it. He stared into that woman's soul 
and said, yeah, you just can't train with us. I'm like, but like, she's, yo, she's wearing the necklace. Like, if you're going to give us everything that happens almost, like, if you're going to give us at least 80% of what happens in like in the Siege of the North, it's like, you got to give us that. And then this, the whole love triangle, which wasn't even a love triangle, it was just, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like, I was, I was betrothed to Princess UA. Not anymore. But yeah, you know, life happens. And like, and that was, that was it. I was like, that's not a love triangle because he's no longer interested in her. <laughs> that's a, so Han is an interesting, is an interesting thing that you mentioned there. Um, this kind of just goes back to, unless you are the Fire Nation, which again, everything they did with the Fire Nation was fantastic. Iroh, yeah. Zuko, Ozai, Zhao, like those guys did fantastic when they were on screen. I really like what they did with most of that. Um, but again, it feels like all of our heroes and protagonists, we kind of took a lot of their flaws and that bite out of them, you know, a little bit. Like uh, Han, he was very arrogant and he clashed with Sokka, not just because of UA, but like they didn't get along just in general, really. They got yeah. off on the wrong foot. And this one, Han is just like the nicest guy. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, why didn't she yeah. like this dude? <laughs> He seems chill to me. I mean, exactly. I'm like, man, it sounds like they could have had a happy life together or something. Like, but yeah, the whole jet. At least they got Jet down a little. You know, like they they got him down for sure. You know, we yeah. get the Freedom Fighters, which was cool. It's, I mean, there's there's so much that happens in season one where it's like, well, I, I don't know, the whole secret tunnel thing. I'm like, that's that's season two, man. Like, what what are we? I was like, okay, I get it. They want to just tackle all the Omashu stuff while they're in Omashu. But it also, and I get it, it's eight episodes. So it's like, but I didn't know they were going to start blending like four or five episodes just like together. And then it's like, oh yeah, we, we got the Secret Tunnel song. It was cool. But like the Badroom, like that's all, that's season two. Like Washi Tong, why is he here? Does he know 10,000 things? He doesn't even introduce yeah. himself. Like, I feel like yep. that is a spirit where he's like, I know 10,000 things. You know what it feels like? It feels like a show that knows it's not going to get a second season. So they just cram as it much does. into it. And yeah. like, yeah. that's the thing that I hate is that like, I feel like the people behind the show, I know we've been here almost an hour and it feels like we're being extremely negative. The people behind the show do love the, the the property, and I can feel that, and I can see that. But it also is like they had eight episodes, so they they did the greatest hits. They got the secret tunnel song in there for no reason. They got Wang Shi Tong in here. We have Azula, we have May, we have Tai Lee, and it's like it feels like they did that because they know there's not a second season. I I think you know if all things go well, once this releases worldwide, we get we we're in a good enough position to get a season two. But that that's what it feels like. Like we just, they just crammed so much in and it's like if you cut all that out and you just allocate that time to Katara, to Aang, to Sokka and their relationship and building that camaraderie. The thing that I love about book one, Water, is that it does a bunch of the weird stuff and it like the show finds its footing. Uh, we have good episodes. We have kind of mid episodes with like Bots of the Water Tribe and the Great Divide. But then we have bangers like the Storm, right, and the Blue Spirit, and we get to learn about Zuko and Aang and their history and how they're not that different from each other. And it's like 
I wish this show just said, hey, we're going to tell a story about these four main characters the best we can, to the best of our abilities, and then we introduce Azula and Toph and all those other folks in season two because the foundation's already set, because you already... We already fell in love with Team Avatar. You know, like like how Stranger Things did it, where it's like, hey, you fell in love with these original kids. We're gonna add Max in the next season, right? And it's like, that changes the dynamic of the team a little bit. That changes the season because you start adding more characters. So by the time you get Eddie Munson in the next season, we're already in love with like 10 different people in this show. And you just gave us another. But that was built over time. This show just feels like it was cramming so much in and it wasn't allowing it to breathe because it felt like they didn't have time. Yeah, I, I agree. It's more of like the greatest hits. And that's even with like the Uncharted movie with um, Tom Holland. Like it, that's how it felt where it's like, oh, we're going to show like the greatest hits all together. And it's like, well, it's like for Avatar, it's like, well, slow your roll. Like this is this is only book one. So just like if if you're going to remix or remake you know, the show, like just focus on book one. You can expand on things. It's like if, if Azula is there, Azula is there. That's fine. It's just, I feel like she just wasn't given much to do. She kind of just sulked around and was like trying to prove her father wrong, which is fine, I guess. But then May and Ty Lee, I was like, why are you here? They're not doing nothing. <laughs> They're not doing nothing. nothing. Like, Dang. honestly, that's, that's probably like in its, in and of itself a, big criticism of this is that some characters get more and in turn that unfortunately strips another character like yeah. okay so taking away from Aang and Sokka their their characteristics of the sexism and the running away you still get more of those characters and then you get less Katara you get less Suki you get okay so hey instead of focusing on just these characters we're going to introduce Azula and Ozai. So then they're just kind of moseying around, not really doing anything. Now, I will say, though, Daniel Day Kim is a great Ozai. He is mm -hmm. eating. And I like that he's giving it his own energy, too. Like, we haven't seen quite the ferociousness and evil that we see later on in the series. So I actually did like the amount of Ozai we got because I feel like we're going to see that unravel more and more and more. I mean, we definitely saw it in his battle with Zuko. So it was like, okay, that was a good precursor to what we're going to get down the road. But I I felt like having Azula in this didn't really enhance anything for me. It didn't really make it better. I agree. It's just like, oh, look, it's Azula. And then like, oh, we get like a spark of her blue flame. And then like that's it. They're like, look, look May and Tyler are here. And it's like, oh, cool. But like, they're not... They're not doing much. I was just going to say, like, it, it's it's strange. There are things that I really did like, though, with, with the changes. And, like, and that's what I mean by, like, if you change something, do it with, with intent, right? Omashu. Mm. I really loved what we did with the Mechanist, what we did with Jet in, yeah. the, in that portion of the episode yeah, of, like... Yeah, that was great. Making it a conspiracy of, like, hey, we don't know if Jet's behind this because Katara saw one thing or the mechanist behind this because Sokka saw this other thing and it's like having that mystery and having those plot lines converge was very entertaining as somebody who knows the material it was a great change added a yeah. new energy to it 
but also like yeah. it fit the whole condensed style of hey we're gonna tell two stories at once simultaneously and tie them together in a really creative way and so those are the things that i want more of if we do yeah. get another season of like hey we're going to mix things up a little bit, but it's all going to make sense. Don't worry. Because so even Zhao, Leo and I were talking as he was watching it. And he was not vibing with Zhao. But as it came around, he did warm up to it. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I want to see. Of like, give me something that I don't think I want and then make me be like, okay, cool. That was pretty cool by the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, Zhao was great. I was just, the only weird thing for me. Again, this is like the smallest of Netflix. Ugly. But like I was like, oh, and who are you? I was like, why would you not know that he's Commander Zhao? Like, well, in this version, he's not a high-ranking official yet. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of just like a dude. So it's probably he's like, like eh, you are. Who? I was like, what do you mean? And you are. <laughs> I was like, yo, they're I running mean, the same I, circle. Like, what's going on? Here? I thought that was actually kind of funny. I was like, <laughs> he didn't know who this little <laughs> lonely <laughs> guy was. He was like, who are you? <laughs> That I think that, that fits this interpretation <laughs> of Zhao, though, because he does have to weasel his way up the ladder. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to in the original, mm-hmm. he felt like, hey, I'm Mr. Big Bad Admiral Zhao and I'm going to challenge the prince to an Agni Kai, you know? Yeah. Oh, that was yeah, so great. Yeah, that was so good. And I, yeah. I do like this version, though, that he is kind of the man of the people. Kind of the like, mm-hmm. hey, I was the soldier, too. And like it, it, he, it adds a degree of relatability. That the original shows Zhao didn't have. I mean, the original Zhao was just this power hungry guy. So it also made sense for him to want to uh, kill the moon spirit so then he could have some sort of fame like Iroh did for the, you know, quote unquote slaying dragons. (laughs) Uh, So it's cool to have that for this version of Zhao. I thought that was dope. I love I the moment where he's. <laughs> I, I, I love the moment where, where Zhao is just like, I'm not a monster. I'm only going to kill one of them. I'm not going to ruin their <laughs> he's, lives. Right. He's like, what kind of person do you think I am? <laughs> he's like, we're just going to kill the moon. I'm not going to kill the ocean spirit. That's crazy. It's he's like, like oh, okay. get rid of all the water, life source of everything. Come on. Now. I was like, no, I'm just going to kill the moon. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, that's so much better. Yeah. Good for you. You didn't take both. <laughs> I appreciate aesthetically that they committed in that finale of like having everything go black with the red light. Um, once the yeah, moon is gone, Koizilla, cool. like they, they committed. Shyamalan didn't commit. Aang like bent bent a wave in that in the final act of that movie. <laughs> but like not nope. revisit that. <laughs> Koizilla, that movie was go- goofy, man. That was some. That was like the first movie when I was a kid where I was like, wow, this is just actually really bad. Like the first time I I like identify what a bad movie looked like. And I was like this, (laughs) that in Dragon Ball Evolution, I was like, my God, no. But either way, uh, getting back on track really quick. I, there's one more thing I wanted to like what I loved about them expanding on is that Zuko did mention Luten, uh, his cousin, of Ira's oh, yeah, that son. was great. Oh, that was emotional during the, the funeral. I know. They started playing this song. I was like, no. <laughs> I was crying, man. I'm like, I can't do this. And I love how he keeps referencing Luten as well. Like, throughout little moments with him and Iroh, like, Luten would have been proud. And, like, I love those little pieces with them, like, adding more Luten. That was great, actually. Yeah. 
uh, dude, if they started playing that song, I was like, I, <laughs> oh my God, I was, it destroyed me. It strengthens he, uh, he and um, Iroh's relationship, I feel, a bit, too. Because, like, we yeah. know why Iroh is fighting so hard to be with Zuko. Because, like, again, Zuko's banished, and uh, Iroh is essentially banished with him. Because, like, why he's been on the seas with Zuko for three years, too. And giving us that, that background, and, like, having him and Lieutenant G, another character who was in the original series, but, like, he didn't do much, so he didn't remember his name. But, like, I love that, again, of, like, expanding that and then Iroh kind of, like, sticking up for Zuko. I'm like, this is why he's like this. And he saved you guys' life. And you're stuck with him, but you would have died regardless if he wasn't here. So, suck it up. I'm sorry he's a brat sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's suck like... Suck it up. <laughs> I, I, I love that expansion. I did enjoy seeing more of the Air Nomads. That's another thing, you know, we didn't really touch on. I didn't like revisiting Monk Yatso and, like, the spirit world. Uh, I feel like it's more powerful if Aang loses that connection forever. Like, the consequence of him running away, which, like, Leo pointed out, he didn't. But, like, the consequences of his actions leads to him never seeing Yatsu again. Seeing him in Spirit World and, like, him giving the, him the speech of, like, oh, yeah, you know, you couldn't have saved us. It, it, you know, you're doing fine. Your time is now. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, i not a fan of that choice, but, you know... It's okay. I think my biggest concern going forward is like the condensing of book two is going to be harder than book one. And they need 12 episodes. They, they need to just cut it in half, I think. Like, Appa goes missing in the season finale next season. That's how they need to pace that out. <laughs> Spoilers for book yeah, two. I feel worked. like you guys have seen it if you're listening to this. Yeah. yeah that'd be no, a good idea. I'm. S- so that's why I'm so I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm not saying that like this is so bad. It doesn't need a season two. It's just yeah. There's so much happens in season two. I will say though, I did like Gyatso being in the like intro. I did yeah. like him being like in the beginning because it's it, it gives you that mm. strong relationship even a little bit more time for us to see like wow that he really had such a big impact on Aang and. How much he believed in him, and yeah, it was. I, I like, and the actor who played Gyatso was great. I mean, it was just a great portrayal. I thought. I will say, like, I think all of the actors in the show are pretty, pretty well cast. Like, I don't have any like major complaints. I think Aang at times can be a little stiff. I don't think that's Gordon's fault, though. I feel like. Some of the writing for Aang is just a little stiff because we're making him more serious than he needs to be. But we've talked about that enough this episode. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. But we, we get to the finale, right? And we get that, like, pseudo post credit scene of, like, oh, guess what? Susan's Comet's coming back. That setup is uh, cool. But how soon do you think it comes? And you think it's going to be like a two years before that thing Dude, arrives? <laughs> I don't know. Because it's like we, we, we were supposed to know about this like prior. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's They have to wait on that time skip because these kids are going to yeah. get old. They got to yeah. be like, okay, it's been three years. Like, I mean, these kids are going to get old. And, and that's why I have confidence that like with some constructive criticism, because again, we're not saying this is the worst show ever. But like, yeah. hey, make Aang a little more fun. And an easy ex- an easy excuse would just be like, two years has passed. He's been mastering waterbending. 
he and Katara and, and Sokka are best friends now because they've been with each other on this adventure for a long time. So he's joking mm-hmm. around. He's messing around with his friends because he's, you know, he doesn't know that that comet's coming. And then, boop, he's got to get ready to go. You know, I think it's a, it, it's a simple change, a simple excuse of the more he hangs out with them, the more relaxed he gets, the more comfortable he gets. And thus he now reverts back to the Aang we're kind of used to. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so much, and gosh, yeah, we can sit here and talk about it all day. I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure we can go for another hour if we wanted to, but let's cut it short here for now. Let's get into our final thoughts and ratings for Avatar The Last Airbender, the live-action series. Again, by the time that this is out, all eight episodes will be streaming on Netflix, so let's go to Leo for his final thoughts and ratings then go to Mike, and then myself. So for my rating, I'm just going to come out the gate. I'm a 7 out of 10. I think it's good. I think it's got a lot of good, but quite a few things to improve on. I think the bending is really good. I think most of the acting is really good. Um, I just want to see some improvements in episode, or excuse me, in book two that I think could take this from a 7 to eight and a half, nine. I mean, I think this is... What this is the best we could ask for, really. I mean, with when with, with what we got with M. Night Shyamalan, <laughs> this is a big step up. So, Gordon, really good job as Aang, even though, yes, he was stiff in a couple of parts. I think as the episodes go on, he gets more and more and more comfortable. So, I, Gordon, really good job. Uh, great job by Dallas Liu, great, great Zuko. Uh, Paul Sun Hyung Lee, amazing. I wrote like these, these people are really doing a great job with these characters. So I'm, I'm happy. I mean, honestly, I'm as happy as I could be. It could have been an absolute train wreck. So, but Hey, walking out of this thing with the seven out of 10 C is, is good. So had a good time and hoping that the next season makes some improvements. All right, Mike, what about you? Yeah, very much same boat as, as Leo. Um, I'm in that seven out of 10, like 70 range. Um, it, it's it kind of just reminds me of what TV was like back in the day, right? Of like, you know, you know the first season of The Office or the first season of mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, and it's like, ooh, yeah. these are rough. But <laughs> guess what? Those became two of the most beloved comedies of all time. You know, yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like <laughs> this show is off to a better start than those two shows were, by all, all things considered. So you know, with with some time, and I hope Netflix understands that they've been very trigger happy with cancellations but like with a little bit of time uh and a little bit of reworking they can really make this like leo said like a banger nine out of ten like next season could very well be a 10 out of 10 for me depending on how they approach it because that's my favorite book as well in the last airbender storyline at least um actors did a phenomenal job i think the scripts could be a little bit tighter the fight scenes were great so overall fun watch doesn't live up to the original never was going to but it far surpassed that movie so yeah like leo (laughs) said this is this is as good as we could have asked for in season one boy man yeah for me i'm 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 in between like usually our ratings are out of 100 but like if i'm i'm in between like ooh. I'm in between like a 65 and a 70 out of 100, which would be like a 6.5, 7 out of 10. 65? That low? 
I don't know, man. It's I'm maybe I need to watch it again, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and I'll also give it a seven out of ten. Because I love the show so much. Because you can see that the original, uh, not the original creators, but the uh, showrunners of this of this adaptation, they they do care about the world. It's just I feel like there is a lot of overcorrectness, and like you guys said, the, the script can definitely be tighter. Um, you know, don't change the production. The actors are phenomenal. Like you know, I I would not have picked anyone else for for these roles. It's just that the the writing can use just a little bit of work when it comes to um, a few things. And also, like, I mean, the reshuffling of events, it's like Mike said, like, it's fine, but you have to, like, lean into it and it needs to have a purpose. Don't just do it because you're doing it for the sake of time and like, oh, well, we need to do this, this and this because references for um original fans to like you know the secret tunnel thing it's like i could have just waited until season two i'm i'm gonna be completely real christian i never needed secret tunnel to ever be in this show at all (laughs) like that's that's not a thing like i I was not gonna be like they never did the song like i'd like it was a it was an interesting surprise but like instead of being like oh this is cool it's more like but why and that's my problem (laughs) because it's like if you cut that out entirely i wouldn't have cared (laughs) Hey, I think Mike's is happy that they didn't do the Great Divide. <laughs> he's, he's he's a happy man. Oh, man. Thank God. <laughs> if they did the Great... You know what? If they had the guts to do the Great Divide, this would have been an instant 90 for me. Because, like, <laughs> hey, go. Change that episode entirely. I don't care. Make sure Honestly, the ending's yeah. the same, though. The ball, that that's the mm. end. Dang lie. Yeah. That, that actually would have been interesting for them to do. But yeah, like it's full of references. I mean, I just like the Secret Tunnel episode because it kind of does push Aang and Katara's um, relationship more, you know, uh, further. And you get a little bit more with um, with Toph as well. But it's like, yeah, um, I'll, I'll give it a 7 out of 10 for sure. And like, like you guys said, this is not, it's not like the worst show in the world. By far is the worst show in the world. It's just... I was trying to make that separation between the series and the show and like this effectively being an adaptation of a show, which is something you don't really see. It's like, you know, it's not a book series. It's not based off any, it's, it's, you know, it's a remake of a series. And I just, I'm still trying to figure out who this is for because if I ever want to watch anything Avatar related, I'll go watch the original series. I'll go watch, um, Legend of Korra, because those are well um, available to everyone. They're accessible. You can buy the Blu-rays. They're, they're streaming everywhere, so it's not like they're necessarily being taken off. But, yeah, overall, it's like I am enjoying the journey. <clears throat> but, yeah, there's definitely room, room for improvement. So I would give it, like, 7 out of 10. I'm not, like, over the moon with it because, you know, we, we already have the show. But yeah, it's leagues better. This is second attempt that we're getting live action. So it's like, I just, just don't overcorrect it. You don't have to be like, oh, like we have to make sure it's better than M. Night Shyamalan. It just, it just needs to be all together. Just, just don't do what he did and you are fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think like, it just comes down to what the bar is. Cause like, this is way better than Death Note. You know, this is way yeah. better than, in my opinion, Cowboy Bebop. Way this better. isn't as 
this isn't as good mm. as One Piece, but it's better than Dragon Ball Evolution or like all these other bad like anime Ooh. adaptations that we've gotten. And so it's like it's it's probably the second best. It, I know Avatar's not an anime, but you get my point. It's probably the second best compared to like One Piece. And I think that's that's a good yeah. start. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. So yeah, I mean. So I want season two, yes, but at the same time, I'm like, oh boy, I don't know. Like, if let's just say this: if they get season two wrong, don't give me season three. Just, just rip the bandaid off, pull the trigger, <laughs> take it off Netflix, cancel it. Because season two, book one is all about world building. Season two is the meat and potatoes, and then you have the resolution in season three. But it's like if you can't get season two right i don't want season three i don't i'm i'm just saying it right now if they, if but they what if they, they right, make then... season two and it's like better how like define better are we talking like an eight out of ten instead of a seven out of ten i'm talking like a, a eight and a half nine out of ten like they made a lot of changes tightened up the script had a better episode flow sure yeah but like no absolutely okay. Well, yeah, but if if they just if they tank season two, I mean, we already saw Washi Tong, but it's like he he didn't even say his name. It's fine, it's whatever. Again, nitpicking. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to give it a fair shake. So I think a seven out of ten is fair. I just want the the film optics audience to have this bit of context, which I think is hilarious. Uh, So you guys were on uh, my YouTube channel, and we talked about what the expectations were for this show. And in the episode, Christian said, I don't care how good the first season is, I still want to get to season two because I want to see Toph in live action. I just think it's funny how how he finally watched the show and now the tune is changing. <laughs> That's, I, I, did, I did say that. I did say that. Like, I, I will admit to that 100%. But yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you watch the show and it's like, yeah, like it's Avatar, but it's, Something else at the same time, and I don't. Yeah, know it's this thing is. I love, but slightly worse. So what's the point? You know, like <laughs> I, I get it, I get the concern because, like, that's the weird thing about this being an adaptation of a show that already exists, and we've we've talked about that already today. But like, if this was a comic book and they brought it to live action, cool. But I've seen this, I've heard these jokes, I've heard this score. You know, I get it. It's a weird feeling, and I don't even know if I'm processing it correctly yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exactly. And it's like, it's so hard. It's, it's like you can't make, you can't not make those, um, those comparisons. Cause it's like, it's like, it's, it's a show. Like this is a show based off of another show. And it's like, that is as one-to-one comparison as you can get. Like, yeah, we can sit here and nitpick all day, but like, there are things like you said, where it's like, if you change one it's like a butterfly effect. You change one small little thing. It has this ripple effect with everything else because the show is already so airtight. But it's like, but we did get nice expansions um, that we mentioned. Um, but it's like, I don't know. It's it's fine. Like, I'm not like, oh, like, no one should see this. Like, if you're an Avatar fan, definitely watch this and, you know, form your own opinions. You know, we, we air our grievances you know, th- this is our um, <laughs> th- this is our festivus here <laughs> when it comes to Avatar. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people, <laughs> but like at the same time, we still love it. <laughs> we still love it, even though you know we we criticize because we care because 
we've 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 already seen one live action um just you know we go down the drain we we not again please <laughs> that's all i'm asking and you but, the avatar ong never forget <laughs> no. 10 oh out of 10 God. in comparison baby hold on so but i think <laughs> oh <God. laughs> i think season one is serviceable but I, I will back up what Mike said. Yeah, like, I want to get the season soon so we can see top. But, like, it's got to be better. Because if it is not better, don't give me season three. <laughs> just don't. Just pull the plug. Pull the plug, Netflix. Nah, if but, it ain't better, finish this mess off. Just just finish it off. Don't leave us Yeah, you got to see that metal bending, dude. Let's go. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about, man. <laughs> get the Duffer Brothers to direct the Hama episode oh, in season three. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> my word okay christian you can we let need... us go home now i'm done i'm sorry no. <laughs> but no no you, you guys have made great points and i've had like the best time talking about this with you guys but uh before we go before we close the show i want to give you guys uh the opportunity to let people know what um where they can find you on the internet what's coming up in your respective outlets uh we'll start with mike and then we'll go to leo and then i will close out the show yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Always oh, a pleasure being on here with you guys, chatting, especially Avatar. This is like our first, our fourth Avatar Last Airbender podcast on Film Optics. <laughs> we just kind of make I this know. an annual thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me at Novice Cinephile on Twitter. You can find me at The Novice Cinephile on Threads and Instagram. Uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash Novice Cinephile. I'm uploading Avatar videos almost daily this week as we speak. I know that channel's been dead for a year, but as soon as Avatar shows up, I'm here for it. Uh, also, my podcast, The Chatter After, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube for the video podcasts, we are covering Oppenheimer for the Oscars. We're covering Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, I think you guys would really appreciate our spoiler review because uh, very different opinions amongst the panel. So... That oh was boy. a very fun conversation. <laughs> yeah, it was a very fun conversation. You know, some people loved it. Some people were like, eh. So check that out if you want for more Avatar coverage. And, of course, me writing on Collider.com. Got a review of Demon Slayer uh, that's probably up right about now, actually. Yeah. Heck, yeah, man. I'm definitely going to check that out. I, Of course, you know, I watch all you guys' Avatar content anyway but yeah leo where can everyone find you on the internet and what is coming up on geekly goods y'all you if you're over on youtube go ahead and search up geekly goods you'll see a logo with me and two g's come on over y'all we'll talk some geek guys this week we're gonna be talking avatar dune part two and i'm working on a little knuckles video as well for the knuckles tv series so come on over and let's talk about that then if you're on any other social media platform that's tiktok x which, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it Twitter, y'all. It, it's Twitter yeah, for me. We, Instagram, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. <laughs> yeah, we do not do that here. <laughs> all the social media platforms, I am at Geekly Goods. Christian, thanks for having me, man. This has been a lot of fun. But no, seriously, thank you guys again for coming back on. It's It's been a pleasure. Uh, for anyone out there who wants to listen to our original series, Revisited, I'm going to have links for where you can find Mike and Leo in the podcast episode notes. And you can also find uh, book one through three of each episode of us breaking down the original series. We still got to do Legend of Korra, by the way. 
We still gotta um, do the I search, bro. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, that's right. Yes, yes. I finally have watched or read the search, and I was gonna go. I was doing the other ones as well. But yeah, we gotta do the search for sure because it, and there was there was a few search references in in this little series. So I was like, okay, because that, that I think that's nice because it's like not everyone probably knows about those those comics, but with. All uh, that said, you know, again, definitely go follow Leo and Mike on their respective outlets. All their information will be in the episode notes below. And that concludes today's episode. If you enjoy what you heard on today's episode, subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform of choice. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Film Optics. That is Optics with an X. And don't forget to share an episode of our podcast with a fellow movie lover, whether it be your mother, your brother, or your significant other. Spread the love for the Film Optics podcast to a movie lover in need. And really quick, for new review releases that you can listen to right now, you can listen to our Madam Web review, as well as our Bob Marley and our Percy Jackson season one review. We also went through our most anticipated movies and TV shows of 2024 in two separate episodes, one for TV, one for movies that you can check out on our podcast. And for upcoming releases, we're going to be covering Dune Part 2. As of this recording, um, as this is released, I've already seen Dune 2. Uh, but we're definitely going to have that out the first uh, week that, or the week that it comes out in theaters, March 1st, uh, earlier that week leading up to March 1st. So definitely keep a lookout for that. And again, thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the show, please take us a uh, moment to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and stay connected with us by following, following us on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates. That was Mike, Leo, and my name is Christian signing off. And remember, life is like a movie, so go out there and make it a blockbuster.